2: Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. And it's here in L.A. where firefighters continue to battle a more than 1,300-acre fire burning in the Santa Monica Mountains. The blaze, called the Palisades Fire, has forced the evacuation of about a 1,000 people in and around Topanga Canyon. The fire, which started on Friday, is chewing through dense chaparral and rugged terrain that hasn't burned in more than half a century. Al Ward is the operations chief for the Palisades fire we're making good headway with helicopters we still have mandatory evacuations in that area down the western edge of the fire all the way on there's a road system that goes all the way on and we were able to hold that road system and and keep the fire from crossing the pengam motorway that whole piece has been secured all the way around there's currently zero containment for the blaze. The fire's cause has been deemed suspicious in nature. Here's LA Fire Captain Eric Scott speaking about the investigation into what caused it. One individual was detained and released. A second individual has now been detained and is being questioned, but the investigation is active and it continues. Experts are warning 2021 could be a brutal year when it comes to wildfire dangers in the state because of hot and dry conditions. In Santa Rosa, the fire department is declaring today the start of wildfire season there. Let's turn to higher education. It's goodbye to the SATs and ACTs at the University of California. The UC system will no longer take those standardized tests into account when determining admissions and scholarships. The decision is part of a settlement that resolves a lawsuit brought by a coalition of students and advocacy groups. They argue the SATs and ACTs are biased against poor and Latino and black students who, among other issues, might not be able to afford costly test prep. UC is already made the tests optional for students applying to the system. And in K-12 learning, Governor Gavin Newsom is proposing an end to pandemic-era distance learning in the fall. That is part of his revised state budget proposal. For the last year, school districts in California have had the option to teach kids outside of the classroom. Newsom is proposing a return to the pre-pandemic normal next year. We want kids back in person this fall, full-time. The governor's budget proposal includes $2 billion for schools to improve coronavirus testing and ventilation. And for parents who prefer to keep their kids at home, districts can offer traditional independent study, although there will be new requirements to provide students internet connection and track daily participation. The largest union of registered nurses in California is pushing back against the latest mask guidance from the Centers for Disease Control. The CDC announced last week that people who are fully vaccinated don't need to wear a mask indoors or outdoors, with some exceptions. But the California Nurses Association says the pandemic is not over, and relaxing mask mandates now puts the safety of nurses and frontline workers at risk. The California Department of Public Health is still advising people to wear masks indoors as it reviews the new guidelines. Let's turn to utilities. State and federal officials are calling for answers from a special trust set up to compensate thousands of victims of fires caused by Pacific Gas and Electric. This after a KQED investigation found that PG&E's Fire Victim Trust spent more than $50 million on overhead last year, while the vast majority of fire survivors didn't see a dime of money. The California Report's Lily Jamali joins me now with more. Lily...
3: That's right, Saul. Fire victims certainly took notice. Our investigation has been shared widely on social media groups where PGE fire survivors exchange tips and information. One of them, Kirk Trossel, is demanding a federal judge step in. Trossel is demanding transparency and accountability and, citing our report, called administrative expenses, quote, out of control. Two congressmen whose districts have been hit hard by PG&E wildfires, North State Republican Doug LaMalfa and North Bay Democrat Mike Thompson, have both also expressed outrage over fees being charged by top officials of the Fire Victim Trust, some of whom have billed more than $1,000 an hour. Assemblyman James Gallagher, who represents Paradise, had this to say.
4: We need to have complete transparency where that money has gone and victims need to be compensated immediately.
3: A spokesperson for Governor Gavin Newsom declined to comment on our findings, and the trust itself continues to decline our requests to be interviewed. The trust has started to make more payments this year, about $200 million so far, but that is still less than 2% of the approximately $13.5 billion fire survivors were promised. One thing slowing all of this down is the unusual way that this trust was set up. The settlement with Fire Survivors allows PG&E to fund the trust partly with cash, but also with stock in PG&E itself. Assemblyman Gallagher had this suggestion.
4: Maybe some of these vendors should be getting paid in stock. You
3: know,
4: maybe some of these uh, these administrative expenses, would, would they mind getting paid in
0: stock?
3: A question many fire survivors are asking now is how long will it take for the trust to compensate everyone? Every dollar towards overhead comes out of the pot of money for them. Saul?
2: Thanks, Lily. That's the California Report's Lily Jamali. You can read more about our exclusive investigation into the trust. It's up now at kqed.org. The job of lieutenant governor tends to be a low profile office in California, but the campaign to recall Governor Gavin Newsom will put current lieutenant governor Eleni Kunalakis front and center. KQED politics reporter Katie Orr takes a look at what role Kunalakis will play and how she could affect the election.
0: At first glance, Kunalakis' role seems pretty straightforward. She must set a date for an election within 60 to 80 days after the recall petition signatures are officially certified, which will happen in the fall. Kunalakis says she's focusing on what's best for voters.
4: I think that the general principle is that it should be a day that is relatively convenient for California voters to make sure that they have ample time to consider the questions on the ballot and are able to get their ballot and send it in and make sure that their vote counts.
0: And while she has a 20-day window to set the election, Kunalakis says she doesn't believe the exact date will make too big a difference. But Brandon Streisner, a senior research fellow at the California Constitution Center, says it actually might. Setting the election further back in the 20-day window would give candidates more time to file papers needed to qualify for the ballot. That could result in a large number of candidates. That's what happened in the 2003 recall. 135 candidates clogged up the ballot. Streisner says he thinks the lieutenant governor will try to strike a balance when deciding when the election will be held.
2: We're letting serious candidates get on the ballot. We're not denying ballot access to any serious candidate, but perhaps there could be
4: a consideration for not overwhelming the voters with a number of non-serious
2: vanity candidates as well.
0: One person who won't be a candidate? Kunalakis herself. Unlike her 2003 counterpart, Lieutenant Governor Cruz Bustamante, Kunalakis says she will not run. Bustamante ran as sort of an insurance policy to prevent Republicans from winning the office if then-Governor Gray Davis was recalled, which he was. But Republican Arnold Schwarzenegger easily beat the lieutenant governor, and Bustamante's critics say his being in the race may have contributed to Davis's defeat. Kunalakis says Democrats know better this time around.
4: Our insurance policy is that we all recognize that Governor Newsom has been doing a very good job during an unprecedentedly difficult time and that our insurance policy is let's vote no on the recall and make sure that Governor Newsom can continue to do his job.
0: But just because Kunalakis doesn't plan to jump into the race, that doesn't mean another Democrat won't decide to, especially if Governor Newsom looks vulnerable. For the California Report, I'm Katie Orr in Sacramento
2: attempts to recall politicians serving at all levels of government can be common in California. And there's a particularly unusual and intense recall campaign happening now in largely rural Shasta County. There, conservative activists, although some would call them right-wing militants, are trying to oust three county supervisors from office, a majority of the board. The activists have even produced a documentary series about their efforts. Here's an excerpt.
4: Our own elected officials have failed us and supported policies that are overreaching, restrictive, and simply wrong for our community. But there are some of us that have stood up in this fight. We refuse to give up on our hopes and dreams. The time is here for us to recall our elected officials because they gave up on us. They fed us to an overreaching state government and failed to protect our local community.
2: Here to talk more about what's happening in Shasta County is Donnie Chamberlain, the founder and editor of A News Cafe. It's a website covering political news in Shasta County. Donnie, set the table. What's the recall about?
4: Ostensibly, the reason for the recall campaign is to get rid of any supervisors who are basically following state mandates. And so they want Shasta County to be removed from the state as far as any accountability at all. And they want supervisors who will go their own way and not follow the direction of the governor. That's the ostensible reason. And in the beginning, it was about masks and COVID and all lot. But that has changed over time.
2: You say it's changed. I understand that in addition to rolling back pandemic rules, many recall supporters have a wider vision for how Shasta County and other parts of rural Northern California should be run.
4: They would like to be, have Shasta County and the North State and Tehama County, which is right next door to us, be a constitutional um, sheriff-led area. And that means that the sheriff could take a federal agent, FBI agent, ABC agent, and walk them to the border and say, you know what, you have no authority here. You can just get out and stay out. They want to have it be like their own um, kingdom,
2: and who are the supervisors being targeted, and what are their politics?
4: You know, Mary Rickert, Joe Comente, and Leonard Modi are all staunch Republicans. They are all Second Amendment believers. You know, they mm. all own guns. You know, Mary Rickert owns a ranch. Leonard Modi was a former police chief in Redding. Joe Comente was a former police officer. These are not liberal snowflakes, which is what really blows my mind about this recall.
2: And how heated has the recall debate gotten?
4: It's very heated. It's very intense. You know, we've had people actually make death threats from the public comment period at the podium to supervisors. It has been kind of scary. Hmm.
2: So let's talk about what comes next. I understand recall supporters in Shasta County have had some practical problems like making mistakes and collecting voter signatures, and they need to start over. So where do you think this goes?
4: It could go either way. And that's why I tell people not to be so sure that it won't work. If they got enough people to vote yes on the recall, they could flip the seats in Shasta County. And I can't even imagine what it would look like to live here.
2: All right, that is Donnie Chamberlain of a news cafe in Shasta County. Thanks so much for joining us.
4: My pleasure, thank you so much.
2: And finally this morning, Los Angeles Lakers star Kobe Bryant was among those who were inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame this weekend. Vanessa Bryant accepted the honor for her late husband.
4: I wish my husband was here to accept
3: this incredible award. He and Gigi deserve to be here to witness this. Gigi would be so proud to watch her daddy get enshrined into
2: the Basketball Hall of Fame. Bryant and his daughter, Gianna, or Gigi, were among the nine people killed in a helicopter crash in Calabasas in January of 2020. Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett were among the others inducted into the Hall of Fame this weekend. And that's the California Report for Monday, May 17th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and talk tomorrow.
0: Support for the California Report comes from Paint Care, now with 800 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at paintcare.org. California Healthcare Foundation, ensuring the voices of Californians are heard in California's decisions about health care, on the web at chcf.org voices. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt. Through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org.
3: Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of The California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California